You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. All right, welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. In this episode, we are talking nuclear innovation. Purdue's got some exciting news going on up on campus surrounding that subject. And with me today to help sort this all out is Dr. Lefteri Sukalas. Uh, doctor, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Uh, nice to be in your show, and uh, congratulations on the wonderful things you're doing. Doing fine. Mm-hmm. I'm here at my office at Purdue, and thank you for the opportunity to reach your audience. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate your time today. Uh, let's kind of just start off with a, a broad question. We're talking nuclear innovation. For those like myself who don't know a lot about this, what is nuclear innovation? Well, um, nuclear is an area that is actually uh, present in many more things uh, than we realize, including, uh, you know, medical, scientific, technical uh, applications. Uh, so it's embedded in a lot of things. Uh, but the the emblematic, uh, you know, part of the technology has to do with the way it came about in the 1940s, that is through nuclear weaponry, through mm-hmm. the Manhattan Project and nuclear weaponry. So in the minds of a lot of people, is thought of as a legacy area, something mm-hmm. that happened back then, changed the world, gave uh, the United States an incredible position of strength in the global system. But it's legacy. You know, it's something that was done, and there's very little that is going on now. In reality, there's a lot that is going on now, uh, not only in the United States, around the world, the principal uh, sort of uh, ladder for innovation has been the digitalization of nuclear. Mm-hmm. Nuclear power machines, nuclear reactors uh, are now going digital. And this is uh, may sound like something that is long overdue, but uh, in reality it's something that promises to revolutionize the technology to have another you know, moment like the 1940s, like the Manhattan Project, only this time it will be a lot broader, it will make it far easier and more flexible and safer to use. So the innovation space around nuclear is uh, going to broaden significantly with this uh, digitalization of the technology. You talked about the digital, and Purdue was recently in the news for being the first uh, one to have a, a digital nuclear reactor in the nation. We'll get into that in just a second. Can you kind of explain to us what is a nuclear reactor and what does it do? Um, the nuclear reactor is a uh, machine where the uh, fundamental transformation of energy uh, from energy stored deep inside the nucleus to energy that can be useful to us, mostly heat, uh, happens. And then, of course, from heat, we can get electricity. Uh, happens uh, with an incredible, uh, you know, power density. Uh, a kilogram of nuclear fuel is worth about 200 million kilograms of coal or gas or oil. So this uh, compactness makes it, uh, at the same time, a technical challenge and also a a huge uh, store for energy and energy processes that uh, can be the in many ways the, the the only thing that we have for the future after the finite resources uh, from fossils uh, you know uh, reach uh, limits of um, 
availability, we know that nuclear will be there uh, to take us to the next 10,000 years uh, safely, justly. It will be a way to maintain our civilization. But at the core of it is an energy machine. You know, I can make it simple and say it's, it's an energy machine to boil water. <laughs> and that's basically what it comes down to when it comes to nuclear power. Anything that can, you know, we can boil water with will produce steam to run <laughs> turbines and produce electricity. And that's that's really what it is. But the, the, the difference is that where the water boils happens in a very intense, in a very concentrated, uh, and in a very safe way in the sense that nothing comes out. Uh, when it's done well, and there is uh, now we have the the means and the know-how to do it safely and very well, uh, nothing comes out. There are no emissions. Mm. Everything is like a kind of giant battery. So you have a giant battery for boiling water for five, ten years, mm. and that's a, an important thing, not only from the point of view of uh, the uh, efficiency of the process, the stability, the economics of the process, but also from the point of view of the environment where nothing comes out. Gotcha. Okay. And as we mentioned a few minutes ago, Purdue is the first in the nation to go digital on their nuclear reactor. How big is that for the for Purdue to have that news okay. surrounding them? This is this is this is a historic first, you know. And Purdue uh, has a uh, you know a history of, of doing things like this, and we're really very happy. We're elated to be part of this first. This mm-hmm. is the first reactor in the United States, the country that led the world in developing the technology and the science, the nuclear science and engineering. Uh, now, this is the first reactor to be fully digital. It's the first licensed reactor, and that makes a big difference because this is done very rigorously. It takes a long time to do the uh, scientific and engineering design, but even longer in a way to convince the regulators that this is going to be safe under all possible conditions and nothing can go wrong. So uh, to do all this, uh, you know, and uh, I think it's, uh, it's something that really makes a big difference because it opens uh, a new era for uh, the United States to use digital nuclear uh, with a lot of advantages and with a lot of uh, innovation uh, ground uh, opening up uh, so a lot of activities a lot of potential for new jobs uh, for high-tech jobs and i think at the core of it is a lot of potential that will become reality uh, to revitalize manufacturing in the united states to revitalize industry you know with nuclear for nuclear but also with nuclear you know, we we have a, a competitive edge in uh, developing, revitalizing American manufacturing. Gotcha. And maybe you kind of just answered there, but how does that shape the future of nuclear innovation? Uh, the in, in many ways, what happens when you go digital is that you can uh, upgrade, you can uh, embed innovations from other fields like telecommunications, like safety, uh, like uh, you know, load following uh, in the uh, uh, you know power production area, uh, like uh, doing uh, more sophisticated experiments and uh, on demand when it comes to medical innovation. Uh, all of these things, uh, once you digitize, uh, they are a lot easier, 
and a lot safer and more efficient. So you, what you do in a way is um, you modernize, you bring up and you integrate within nuclear the advancements of uh, a lot of different uh, technologies in many different areas, not just power, but fundamentally uh, we're talking about uh, major innovations in nuclear medicine. We're talking about uh, uh, advancements in space propulsion and uh, what is very important for everybody around the globe nowadays is uh, advancements in uh, uh, advancements in climate change, in decarbonizing the power production. Um, you know, the power production processes, the power production uh, industry, having bringing more balance, uh, also and making a lot of electricity, cheap electricity, available for the transportation sector for water, for, you know, environmental, uh, you know, technologies. It's a major, it's a big thing, a big, big thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to take, you know, the next several decades for us to harvest all that. Gotcha. And sometimes, you know, people hear the word nuclear and they think maybe nuclear war or there's some other negative connotations with it. Can you talk about some of the common misconceptions or myths about nuclear? Yeah, this is this is very understandable because the press release for nuclear was Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm. Right? So there is this so at the, at the semantics level of of anything nuclear. Uh, the substrate has the way that it, the world came to know about it, which was through nuclear weaponry. Uh, you know, uh, several tens of thousands of people, you know, were evaporated in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So this is always going to be there. Uh, this is something that makes people uh, scared and apprehensive about nuclear. Uh, but the fact is that a lot of technologies came out of uh, war applications. You know, this is uh, definitely not the first one. Uh, aerospace, a lot of our materials advancements, metallurgy, you know, since the dawn of history, uh, technical innovation has uh, been led uh, in many ways, but not only through military, you know, advancements. And that's why until about the early 1800s, uh, all engineering was military engineering. You know, it was mm. Napoleon who coined the, f uh, the term civil engineering mm. uh, and prepared engineers for non-military, you know, and I guess we're all now uh, you know, children of civil engineering after civil, uh, out of civil came mechanical, electrical, rail drones, engineering, mining, whatever. Nuclear is one of the youngest kids in the block. Uh, but fundamentally, uh, technology, like uh, any other technology, certainly nuclear, needs to be respected. Uh, the more challenging, uh, you know, the safety issues, the more safe it becomes, because a lot more thinking has to go into it. Mm. You know, an airplane uh, gets up there at 10,000 meters or 33,000 feet. Mm. A lot of things have to be studied and done right to, to for us to be able to get there and not right. worry, <laughs> you know. Right. Same thing with nuclear. Uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, it, in reality, it's probably the safest and the best, the cleanest mm. way we have to generate electricity, but also to do a lot of other things. Uh, you know, we probe matter with uh, uh, radiation. Uh, we probe, uh, you know, organized life, cells mm. uh, with radiation. 
you know, we use radiation to tell uh, which genes uh, are related for what things inside a cell. You know, we have uh, uh, genes like, um, I, doesn't matter if I list, you know, P53 or Sijune or uh, TNFA alpha, uh, which we know what they do in the uh, biological uh, cycle of a cell by uh, exposing the cell lines uh, to radiation of certain levels and seeing, you know, with the advancements of the uh, genome project, seeing what genes are turned on and off. And there's some genes that uh, promote sort of the organized uh, demise of cells, and they're called apoptotic genes. And there are genes that promote, uh, you know, sort of wild growth, uh, which we don't want because they lead to cancer, uh, the anti-apoptotic genes. And so a lot of things uh, that we learn and we do in science and technology rest on the fact that radiation is information. Radiation is a way for us to gain information and build knowledge uh, that bring tremendous, uh, huge benefits, not only in power generation, but also in medicine, in materials, in semiconductors. Uh, and of course, in, there is the geopolitical you know, side of things. There is nuclear weaponry, there is naval supremacy. You know, the U.S. is the leading naval power uh, in the world that uh, in many ways this is owed to the fact that you know, it has nuclear aircraft carriers and nuclear submarines that can go around the globe uh, and, uh, you know, guarantee the safety of sea, lane, of, uh, sea lanes. Uh, you know, many, in many ways, nuclear is responsible for the way we uh, have another global commons, uh, airspace, the way we use space, and more recently, cyberspace. And all of these things in the geopolitical sense are related to the nation's uh, competence and knowledge mm. uh, and technology uh, around nuclear science and engineering. Gotcha. Also, some other exciting news going on at Purdue. Next week, you have the Innovation Summit titled, What If Nuclear Innovation Could Save the World? Atoms for Humanity. Yes. Give us an overview of, of that summit. Well... Uh, this is a very topical summit. Uh, it's very well done, and there are a lot of luminaries that will be coming, and I urge people to go and register for this uh, summit. Uh, it's organized by Miles O'Brien, uh, who is very, uh, it's a great guy, a great producer, anchorman at uh, uh, PBS. Uh, uh, the uh, Assistant Secretary for uh, of the Department of Energy for Nuclear Energy will be here, Dr. Rita Baranwal. Uh, there will be, uh, you know, people uh, like Purdue uh, uh, professors who have uh, interest and knowledge about uh, the, the state of the art in the world. Uh, Mark Peters, the director of Idaho National Laboratory, Annie Caputo from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Uh, a lot of, uh, I couldn't list you because, I couldn't list all these people because just, uh, <laughs> people who get bored listening to Jackie Kampfer, of course, uh, from the Energy Policy and Third Way, 
you know, there's a lot of industry that is revitalized in the U.S. Mm. around nuclear, uh, including new scale terra power. Uh, there are many uh, people and uh, much activity in making small reactors. Uh, you know, there are people who think that uh, instead of having diesel generators around the uh, world for American installations or bases, uh, you know, it would be a lot safer and uh, saving a lot of lives to have uh, small uh, nuclear generators. They will operate like... Uh, you know, like a battery, they'll fit in a truck, uh, they'll be very safe, uh, and you can move them around and uh, around the world. And, you know, uh, I think on average, uh, a person a day is killed in Afghanistan, just in an American soldier is killed uh, in Afghanistan just for, you know, moving around uh, fuel to uh, get these diesel generators going for the American bases there. Uh, so, it would be uh, important, it would save a lot of lives to uh, turn those uh, uh, you know, into nuclear batteries, into small mm-hmm. nuclear reactors. So there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of things. There are a lot of things going on. And the process, uh, you know, a uh, revitalization of both skills and industrial capacities in the United States, you know. So revitalizing nuclear could be a lot more for you know a lot more uh, can have huge and broad effects on a lot of uh, different technologies and industrial activities and business activities uh, than just getting uh, you know some nuclear engineers excited about <laughs> new technology sure. <laughs> so, this event also it's a very topical summit uh, the uh, you know momentum uh, here is huge uh, it does have to do with the uh, Purdue reactor, the PUR-1, being the mm-hmm. first digital reactor licensed in the United States. Uh, but in the process, a lot of discussions, a lot of good panels uh, to look at the connection to climate change, to look at the connection to space, uh, to look at the connection of uh, new uh, digital nuclear to uh, you know medicine uh, and you know, the our war against cancer and this kind of uh, interesting things. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it will be a nice, exciting three days to mm-hmm. learn a lot, to discuss many things, uh, to have a lot of interesting conversations, uh, and to open, uh, you know, the university would be sort of hosting uh, a, uh, you know, a kind of think tank activity uh, that may impact uh, all of us in the years and decades to come. Right. Also, just very fitting that Purdue is hosting this as Purdue celebrating 150 years and the, the giant leaps Absolutely. theme they have Absolutely. seems to be hitting on all the, the themes that Purdue is celebrating, yes, right? Yes, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. You know, 150 giant leaps. Purdue has been a pillar for the American university system. Initially, uh, you know, a land-grant institution, these land-grants were not universities for the aristocracy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we never had aristocracy here, but, you know, they were uh, coming from the uh, sort of English, uh, you know, 16th, 17th century paradigm for education. Our, you know, some of our universities, uh, small colleges back then, uh, you know, they were very exclusive and elitist. Purdue has always been a university 
that advances the interests of the state and of the local communities and open to the people. Uh, the land grants were modeled largely after the Humboldtian University of uh, you know, 19th century Germany. Uh, they've been very successful in uh, generating ideas, in increasing you know, the number of uh, people who went to universities about 100 years ago. Purdue has had huge impact on the landscape of innovation of the United States, as many of the Big Ten universities uh, you know, sometimes the glory goes to, uh, you know, the universities out east, uh, the Ivy Leagues and so forth, but there is a lot of bibliographical, uh, you know, sort of evidence that shows the great ideas that shaped the future of the world, mm. that really made America the best uh, nation in the world, uh, have been, uh, have a birthplace, and the birthplace is here, and Purdue is one of these places. It's the cradle of, uh, you know, a lot of the greatness that we have seen and we have associated uh, with uh, the United States. Right. So we celebrate this 150 years, a lot of yeah. events. Uh, I think it's important not just to make ourselves, uh, you know, sort of uh, feel good, but mm -hmm. uh, to realize that uh, what we enjoy and, uh, you know, the benefits of uh, growth, of civilization, of technical uh, innovations around us, uh, you know, they're fairly recent things, you know, the last 150 years, you know, <laughs> you know for most of human history, people mm -hmm. have lived in very, very difficult circumstances, mm -hmm. you know, just barely making a living out of, uh, you know, a difficult environment and trying to keep themselves alive, you know, now, uh, uh, facing the threats of famine and war and disease. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is uh, one of the great accomplishments of modern society, of modern civilization, universities, and Purdue is definitely one of the great universities of the world, where knowledge uh, is cultivated, is passed on, uh, skills, uh, capacities to make the world a better place never cease to you know, grow and, and, and be productive in places like Purdue. And so we're here to, uh, you know, reflect, to celebrate and reflect and ensure that this keeps uh, going on and, uh, you know, it has a future. And uh, without that kind of uh, infrastructure, uh, not just the United States, the rest of the world will be in a parallel state <laughs> without infrastructure for knowledge, without these great universities. The, the summit runs uh, next Tuesday through Thursday, September 3rd through yes. the 5th. Um, can anybody attend that? Uh, there is a registration. Uh, you know, some events are open. Uh, some of the, like uh, Dr. Ritter's Baronwall uh, keynote address will be open to the public. Mm -hmm. uh, many are open, but there is a registration uh, for, you know, those who are interested in uh, staying with it for the entire three days. Gotcha. And if anybody can't attend that event, but is interested in learning more about nuclear innovation, where would you direct them to go to, to find out more? Uh, there is a, uh, on the site, on Purdue's site, uh, www.purdue.edu, slash atoms for humanity. Okay. Where atoms does for does humanity. Gotcha. Awesome. Like this and it's all there. Cool. 
Hey, Dr. Sukalis, thank you so much for your time and educating me and our listeners on this. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I just want to thank you and thank your audience for you know uh, giving us this chance to talk and, and learn from each other. And definitely would like to invite everybody to come and join us in this wonderful summit for uh, everybody. And this is uh, Atoms for Humanity, as uh, you know, it's from uh, it's it's sort of uh, uh, playing a little bit with what President Eisenhower said when he went to the United Nations in December of uh, 1954 and offered nuclear technology to the rest of the world. Uh, this is a, a historic offering. He didn't keep it for the uh, military and war needs of the United States, but invited the world to partake uh, in uh, you know, the benefits uh, of nuclear technology. So he called these atoms for peace. You know, this was Atoms for Peace then, and now we call it Atoms for Humanity. So we invite everybody to come and join us in the Atoms for Humanity Summit. That's great. That's great. Dr. Sukalis, thank you so much for your time, and uh, hope you have a a great week and a boiler up. Thank you. Thank you very much. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. You can also listen, like, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks again for listening to Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.